Uh, today, um, I'm going to share this word, and the topic I gave it was, uh, so you got it all figured out. <laughs> We're going to go to Acts chapter 8, but I'm just going to give a little background. And I'm going to start with um, what was going on at the time after Jesus resurrected, and the disciples were in, um, in Jerusalem. So I'm going to start giving a little background where in, in, in Acts chapter 7 is talking about um, how the apostles, they were so busy doing a lot of things and some people's needs weren't being met. And some of the believers began, began to get critical because, hey, you know, these people are not being taken care of. So what they did, they got some, I think it was seven, but they got some men to help out. And Stephen was one of those men. But what amazed me about just reading, Stephen was one of the helpers. But Stephen <coughs> was walking, performing miracles. He wasn't one of the apostles. He was just a helper. And he was performing miracles. Filled with the Holy Ghost, performing miracles. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, oh my God. Lord, what is wrong with me? Alright? But that's another message. But what, what I wanted to talk about is when Stephen was being, he was set up, there was false accusations made against him. And he was before the council, the Jewish council now. And the witnesses were there saying how he was blaspheming against God. And they asked Stephen a question, and Stephen didn't answer the question. He just started giving them the history. The history of when they were in hell, what God's promise to Abraham, and he brought it up to when they crucified Christ. But they couldn't take the truth. I mean, he's speaking, speaking about what they, what they had done, and they couldn't take it. But what was interesting about that is, the person I'm going to talk a little bit about is Saul. What was interesting about that, Saul was a young man, but he was there consenting when they put Stephen out of the city to stone him because they couldn't stone him in the city. They had to stone him outside the city. And he was there consenting <clears throat> to Stephen's death. So he was already <laughs> radicalized, if you want to call it like that. Because they, these are zealots. Zealots, and I give you a definition for those who know what a zealot is. A zealot is a person who is fanatical and uncompromising in pursuit of their religious, political, or, or other ideas. He was already, he was young and already radicalized. If you, let's go to verse, Acts chapter 8. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. But then I really want to spend a little time in, in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 8 verse 1 and we're going to read verse 3. Are you there? Yes. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. So we know why that happened. The student of the Bible, you know why that had to happen. Let's go to verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. 
entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. So he had authority to do that. He didn't just go doing that of his own will. He and his gang, or whoever he had with him, that was his mission. His mission was to wipe out this new religion, this heresy. Because <clears throat> he thought he was pursuing heretics. Those are persons believing in or practicing religious heresy. He believed these people were heretics. His mission was to drive out this, this new religion from Jerusalem. It is against everything they know and believe. So he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging men and women out, committing them to prison. He, so he had authority to do that. So if you go to verse chapter 9, let's start reading from verse 1. Then Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were on the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He wasn't happy with dealing with just Jerusalem. He wanted to go to Damascus with authority to just drive these people, just grab men, women, anyone practicing this new religion, bind them, bring them to Jerusalem to imprison them. He was determined to wipe these people out. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. So you look at, you look at Saul. In his mind, he's got to figure out what he has to do. This is my mission in life. This goes against everything I know and believe. My mission in life is to wipe these people out. You can see it. He was, he was, he gave it his whole heart. Everything in him. He applied to driving these, this religion out. He applied to imprisoning men, women. He had it figured out. This is what I, this is my mission in life. But, as he journeyed, verse, verse 3 in chapter 9. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. He was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Suddenly. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him. He didn't see anything. All he saw was a light and he heard. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goals. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now what amazed me about this, this is a hardcore believer in whatever it is he believes. Yeah, he's a hardcore. He, yeah, he's like a piece of terrorist. Hardcore. And all it took was this light and this voice. And he said, Why are you persecuting? What amazed me is when he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. He didn't ask for proof. There is something about when you have a supernatural experience that you know. But he knew then 
This was not something normal. When Jesus said, I am Jesus, what amazed me is Saul said, what do you want me to do? But he accepted what he was told. And the Lord gave him confirmation, as you're going to see. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him, this is the gang, his, his co-workers, the people who are going with him to round up people and arrest them. They journeyed with him, stood speechless. And what was amazing, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. They heard, but they didn't see anyone. Same like Saul heard, but he didn't see. So they heard. So they know something supernatural is happening. So they experienced what he experienced. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. He couldn't see, he, he saw no one because he was blind. And he didn't eat or drink. I thought that was amazing too. Why? Why did he eat or why did he drink? Do you ever remember when there's something so pressing going on in your life that you just lose all appetite? Now verse 10. And now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise. Go to the street named Straight. Inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Well, this is amazing. The Lord is telling Ananias, what he has to do. And he's telling Ananias that the guy he's going to see is expecting you. And he's seeing this, you laying your hands on him so that he receives his sight. Then Ananias, verse 13, Ananias said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. This guy is a terrorist. This guy's crazy. He's a zealot. And he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So Saul had a reputation already. But the Lord said to him, and love the way the Lord responded, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. And I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Amazingly, how God always answers. He never answers the question. And the Lord said, go. Go do what I tell you to do. He's a chosen vessel of mine. To bear his name before Gentiles, kings, children. He said, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 17, and Ananias, Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, and this amazed me. Brother Saul. 
He didn't say terrorist soul. He didn't say zealot soul. Because he has to pray in line with what the Lord said. He can't pray contrary to what God said. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you. How did he know that? The Lord revealed it to him in the vision. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that is Saul's confirmation. He never spoke to Ananias. But he knew, Ananias knew and confirmed to him, what you're experiencing is real. Not that Saul didn't believe it. Saul believed it. Because the Lord showed him that this guy is going to come and do what lays hands on you. So this confirms not only to Saul, but also to Ananias. That what the Lord said is true. Immediately, verse 18, there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. What was amazing about this as I read it, as I said, the title, so you got it all figured out. Saul, he had his plan, and it takes me back to what it says in Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. There's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with, you know, having goals. Just understand. Sometimes things don't go exactly the way we plan. And we have to be willing to shift. This is what Saul did. He shifted right immediately. He went and he made a shift. So he had it all figured out what he was going to do. He went to the high priest. He got the authority he needed. He went. He had the people he needed to go and accomplish what he figured his purpose was. And on his way, he experienced a shift. So you have it all figured out. But here's a shift to your plan. And what was amazing about this whole thing is when you read about what's going on and even Stephen was doing miracles and we, you know, we pray and we believe God that even though we live the reality and we, we perform miracles and people see things in our lives it's not necessarily everyone is going to embrace that because the enemy will have those who will come against us. Sometimes we make our plans and we try to adjust our course thinking what's best for our lives but the Lord already has it figured out for us. We just have to be willing to shift when He brings the shift and not to be resistant. Take all the plans we want. Things may not go the way we like but we have to be willing to shift when the Lord shifts us. Because if you're not... <laughs> So reading this, but this is what, the, this you see, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. We have to be purpose in our heart to choose to obey. We have to choose to be at peace. We have to choose to trust. And one of the hardest things is when you're going through it, you go through your emotions take you all through different types of gyrations. And sometimes it's hard to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say. So sometimes you just have to back away. And I, I, I kind of, basically when I say back away, surrender to what's going on. Because ultimately, you have no control over it. 
and you have to just let God have his way. So, you all think you got everything all figured out. So he said, that's why when I read this, uh, <clears throat> a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Sometimes what we plan is not God's plan, his will for our life. 